Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. Welcome to a special CompTIA Communities and Council Forum edition of the BizTech Podcast. Our guests today are Annette Tabor and her son, Garrett Tabor, discussing blockchain and Bitcoin. Let's listen in. Thank you, Kathleen. Hi, I'm Annette Tabor, and I'm the Senior Vice President of Industry and Public Sector Outreach. Um, today, we are going to be bringing you the first installment of a new podcast series, Gen X meets Gen Z, Blockchain and Beyond. This is an opportunity to hear firsthand how knowledgeable the youth of today is about emerging technologies and its impact on society. Today, we have my son, Garrett Tabor. He's 23 years old, and he's a professional male model by trade. Garrett will be taking, talking to us today about Bitcoin, and uh, I just want to say up front that he is sharing his personal views. He is not a financial advisor, and so you should engage a professional financial advisor before making any investments. So Garrett, um, I know you're not an expert on blockchain, but is there anything you'd like to share about blockchain technology, being that it's what houses the cryptocurrencies? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, um... You know, the blockchain is very important for cryptocurrency because it keeps it very secure, very decentralized, and uses distributed uh, ledger technologies. Okay, great. Um, so tell us, you know, a lot of people are confused about Bitcoin. Where did it come from and who created it? Yeah, so no one actually knows who created Bitcoin. Um, it goes by the surname of Satoshi Nakamoto, which is the only name that we have associated with the creation of Bitcoin. Um, and that was created back in 2010 by, uh, by this person or group of persons under this name. Okay, that's interesting. So Garrett, tell me if you can explain just exactly what Bitcoin is. Yeah, so Bitcoin's pretty confusing uh, to understand from like the normal retail investors like you and I, but I would say that Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer decentralized form of currency. And what this means is that you cannot interfere with transactions. Um, there's no banks, there's no intermediaries involved. It's just strictly person to person, peer to peer. So when you're sending Bitcoin to someone across the world, say in Japan and you're in the United States, you can do this whenever you want, anytime, as long as you have an internet connection. Um, it would cost like maybe a couple bucks to send this money across the internet like this. And, and no one can stop it or interfere with it. It is the most secure asset like known to man basically because it utilizes blockchain technology so well. It's on its distributed uh, ledger technology and this, this is what makes it so secure. Can, when it comes to Bitcoin, um, I've heard there's a mining process. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Can you explain that? Correct. So there's only 21 million Bitcoin in existence. And every four years, Bitcoin goes through something called a halving cycle, where the, uh, the supply of Bitcoin that is released each day 
is now cut in half every four years. So in order to bring Bitcoin into fruition, it has to go through a process called mining, which is basically verifying transactions across the blockchain using Bitcoin's uh, ledger. So when you mine Bitcoin, um, you're, you're allocating your computer's hardware and, and power supply to basically process these transactions uh, across the blockchain, across the world. So can I mine Bitcoin? Yeah, if you have a strong enough computer, um, you know, it goes off of like your graphics card and your GPU, stuff like that. Um, if it's strong enough, that determines how much Bitcoin uh, you can yield per day and how many uh, transactions you can process. So if you have a supercomputer that can process, you know, thousands of transactions, you're going to get more of a return in Bitcoin as a reward for mining. So, um, but when they're, uh, so anyway, I, I guess I'm still a little confused on the mining part. Like what happens after they mine it? Like, where does it go? I don't- So the, the mined Bitcoin goes into the miners wallets um, and then the miners would then sell their Bitcoin onto an exchange for people like me and you and institutions to then purchase. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. I honestly did not know that. Okay. So I heard recently that Elon Musk invested like what, 1.5 billion into Bitcoin and the price just skyrocketed. Do you see more companies accepting Bitcoin as payment like Tesla has? Yes, for sure. I mean, this is just the start. And I think Tesla and Elon Musk are great, um, a great company in person to kind of push that Bitcoin is no longer a scam narrative. Right. Well, it definitely legitimized it in the eyes of many people when that happened. Do you think our members should consider accepting Bitcoin as payment? Yeah. I mean, being a blockchain company, or a computer technology company, I would say that um, that would be the best way to utilize cryptocurrencies for, you know, paying your employees or paying clients, things like that. But can people actually use Bitcoin to buy groceries, for example? Um, I'm sure there's some places around the world that do accept it uh, for groceries, but currently like in the US, you know, probably not, not yet. But over time, when adoption is in full effect, you'll probably start seeing uh, things like this, yes. And if, if I remember correctly, um, you know, like Bitcoin, it, there's a finite number of it. So the value of it can't be diminished, like let's say, you know, with the Federal Reserve printing money, correct? So it's more like you said earlier, like gold. Right. Yeah. So like I said before, there's only 21 uh, million in existence. And if you look at what the U.S. economy is kind of going through right now, we're printing trillions of dollars like each year, like each few months. And this is causing the price of our dollar to go down and it's inflating the price of our dollar. And Bitcoin is a deflationary asset. So when you're buying Bitcoin, you're basically betting against the price of the U.S. dollar going down. Interesting. Um, how do you see cryptocurrency being used in the future? Um, I mean, I see it being used 
for, for many different use cases. Like for instance, uh, Bitcoin is used as a store of value. There's Ethereum that is used to deploy smart contracts using the blockchain. And there's also uh, another one called XRP that is used as like a bridge currency between uh, two different currencies with totally opposite values. Yeah. Well, do you, do you, what are, I mean, like, what are the chances of Bitcoin just totally going bust? Um, I'd say the only way for that to happen is if there is a very large, um, I'd say cyber attack on it that actually would allow people to hack wallets that are in cold storage. And that's, that's a very hard thing to do. You'd have to have a very large supercomputer to be able to do that. Um, if that ever was possible, then I think that would definitely be the end of Bitcoin. But I see it being as the most secure asset in the world using the blockchain. Interesting. So you're 23. What age did you start uh, to invest in Bitcoin? I first learned about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in early 2017. Um, so I've been in the space for about five, six years. So what was the price of Bitcoin when you started investing? When I first started seeing Bitcoin, um, it was at around 13 to like $2,000. And I was, I was interested in more of the altcoins at the time. So I didn't buy as much Bitcoin as I wanted to. But um, I definitely did get some around those levels. And, and it's a very good choice. Yeah, because what is the price of it today? And I know it's still fluctuating with a lot of... Uh, press and things like that coming positive yeah. and negative, you know, so it's going up and down, but generally speaking, do you know roughly what the price is today? It's, it's around $50,000 per Bitcoin. Um, it almost reached 60,000, uh, like a few days before this video was re uh, recorded. Um, but it, right now it's roughly around 40 to 50,000. Okay. That's cool. So we're going to move into some questions now around, if somebody wanted to invest in Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency, what are the different platforms that people would need to know about in order to do that? Right. So you'd need to find a um, cryptocurrency exchange that is supported in your country. I don't know if you guys are watching from the United States or outside, but there's different regulations per territory. So if you're in the United States, we'll just say that for now. Um, you're going to want to look at like Coinbase.com, Binance US, Kraken, uh, Gemini. There, there's a bunch of exchanges. There's like thousands out there, but I'd say those are the most reputable exchanges. And so how does it work if you're going to invest? You tie your bank account to those platforms? Is that how it works? Yeah. So you, you basically sign in um, and create an account on one of these exchanges, link your bank account or debit card. If you link your debit card, you're going to have, um, you know, less of a spending limit. If you link your bank, you're going to have higher limits. Okay. Um, so then once that happens, um, then at some point after you buy it, then it, I, you, you have a wallet. And now explain how the wallet works and what it looks Correct. like. Yeah. So a wallet is a basically a list of numbers of code that are stored on the blockchain and your your 
your Bitcoin goes into this wallet. So it would be a Bitcoin wallet stored on the blockchain. And you would then buy a, um, it's called a Ledger Nano. That's personally the one I use, which is a, called the cold storage wallet for cryptocurrencies. And you would basically send your Bitcoin into this wallet and your ledger device, which looks like a USB, would be your keys to access uh, the blockchain or your funds on the blockchain. And that's encrypted, right? Like, so that's where you get those words that they give you. It tells yes. you to so write you the get, words. You get a 24 uh, seed phrase, which is like a bunch of random uh, words. Like you could say baseball or beach, ocean, just, just completely random words. And these are your recovery phrases in case you ever do lose access to your wallet or if you lose your ledger device, you'd be able to use this phrase to then recover your account on the blockchain. Because when you're using Bitcoin in the blockchain, there's no one you can call up to, to have assistance with. There's no third party. There's no bank to, to be there to help you out. Once you send a transaction, it's gone. Like you can't stop the transaction and that's the beauty of the blockchain. So um, with, with these wallets, it's super secure because like I said before, you have to have a supercomputer to get into these wallets and no one has that yet. So it's, it's the safest asset uh, of mankind. Well, now with that being said, um, is there anything else that you think our audience should know? I mean, obviously we've covered a lot of territory here. Um, I mean, if, if you were talking to somebody that were, was, you know, really not quite sure about this thinking, Oh, I don't know, this is just a bunch of gibberish. You know, I don't think I would put my money in something like that. I can't physically see it. I can't touch it. Like what, what do you tell them? Um, I would tell them that you're probably going to end up buying the top uh, because you're going to see how much the prices keep is going to keep rising and rising and you're going to get that fear of missing out. And with these markets and this asset class, it's totally based off of emotion. Like the price based off of emotion. When you buy and sell, that's based off of emotion as well. Excellent. So Garrett, I just want to thank you for your time and for your knowledge. This was really very interesting. I think um, our audience probably learned a lot about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. I know I certainly did. And for those of you in our audience, stay tuned for more exciting information and educational content from CompTIA's Communities and Councils Forum. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech Podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast.